Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Lads, we are back. It's the three of us together again for the first time in what's felt like forever. Yep. It has. Wow. It's been a while. It's been, mm-hmm. a, while. It's been a couple of weeks. I yeah. don't know what to do anymore. Like what do I usually do? Uh, you say, I don't know. I say we're back. You say, I don't, Alex says something, then you say something. I don't even remember like, how it we're goes. We're David da- Backus. And yes. then, yeah, Daniel we're, make a pun with the back. Yeah, we're Nikita Sherback. There we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. And then I bury my head in my hands because I can't believe what I've just heard. We're Jacob Force Backa Carlson back. No. <laughs> you could have just close. said we're Jacob Force back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. You stumbled at the at the one I yard did. line there. It was the pressure. Was so the pressure. It's kind of slow around the NHL now. So fun fact, I was looking at our episode count. This is technically, I believe, the one hundred and ninety-sixth episode we've ever recorded. Wow. Wow. That's pretty nuts. That's a great, and it started off. I think was it the first or second episode where we got into an argument about is Patrice Bergeron, um, was it top five or top ten? I think I think I was saying he was top five, the top five yeah, centerman. Yeah, yes. and I was saying he was not. Yes, <laughs> we've I come a long ways. Arguing about yeah. freaking top fifteen list from NHL.com in the midst of summer. <laughs> One hundred ninety-five episodes, and I think we've improved. I'd have I to think say. we have. Somehow. We're so young back then. So young. Yeah. Before I didn't even have a mic. Yeah. Before yeah. not a mic Jagasar, but a mic for this. <laughs> before the Leafs absolutely made me the most cynical person when it comes to hockey. Yeah, I, you listen to those early episodes and Alex still has a bit of like a little bit of life left in him. But now it's like, oh no. Can no. I tell you what's very relevant right now Let's in this summer when I Let's went back on our old episodes? Let's hear it. But my first episode on here, I called it that they were going to trade everybody in Columbus. And like Seth Jones doesn't want to resign there. Wow. But that was, I want to say it was episode 15 or 16 around that point. Was mm-hmm. it? I think so. Around there, I was. It was when we were allowed in uh, in people's houses. You know, remember that? Yes, yes. I remember you showed up with your laptop, or you didn't show up with a laptop. You showed up with a notebook. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I showed up with a notebook. What's funny though is the first few episodes I did. Yeah. I was never sent the topics, so like literally, I was, I was like going in blindly to every episode. (laughs) But I believe that. I don't think we were as organized. I'm not um, gonna. I'm not gonna admit that, but I'm not gonna deny it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wasn't as Google organized. Yeah, yeah, it was before we were. I was organized. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> we have stuff to talk about today. 
We're going to look at Daniel's team Canada because he wasn't here last week. Hopefully it uh, goes a bit more smoothly than Mike's impromptu one last episode because that was great. But first <laughs> off, remember how like we have helmet ads in the NHL and we yeah. all kind of forgot about it a week into the season because they were never a big deal? Yeah. Uh, well, this one's going to be a bit harder to miss. Um, so the NHL are officially getting ads on jerseys for the 2022-2023 uh, season. Uh, apparently, they are the latest major U.S. sport. Well, obviously, Adam, their latest sports league to do this. We know the NBA did this around, I think it was 2017-18. Uh, it's going to be a rectangle that's 3 by 3.5 inches. Um, you may see some AHL teams actually have that sort of setup. It's a, a just a bit larger than some of the NBA plat, uh, like um, patches that they have. I think we were all kind of concerned that this was going to happen, like, we always, I think most people want to leave the jerseys alone, yeah. but you just kind of hope that it stays in the patch and we don't mm-hmm. turn into Europe. Where like Euro- the ad- European hockey, you mean, right? Or are you I talking about soccer? Some like, or sorry, football. Sorry, Alex. There are a, a lot more like overseas. I mean, there mm-hmm. are a lot of leagues that like in North America, it's like, no, if I watch baseball, yeah. like how many sponsorships are on like a, like a Jays jersey, right? Just Nike because they can afford that. There's a reason for that, though, right? Yeah, money. Yeah, because the this league makes minimal money compared to the other. I'm like that's the reason. Like let let's not kid ourselves. That's the only reason they're doing it. Yeah. Um, Make us buy a new jersey. I'm not gonna. I I man, honestly, I'm happy I I have my Caulfield jersey because I do not want to buy. So a jersey with an advertisement like company on it. An, an interesting thing they do in um, – I know they do it in Germany. I'm not sure about like the Premier League and the other leagues. But obviously, other than the main logo that's on the front of the soccer jersey, sometimes they actually have patches on the side of sponsors. But when you actually go buy the jersey, you cannot have – you can get that really? not put – Yeah, you can get that not put on. I don't know because I have a couple of jerseys from germany but i'm not entirely sure if that's the case for the other leagues i'd imagine that would be the case in the nhl especially if it's going to be in the front corner like if it's on the side that's one thing but if it's on like the upper chest area i can really see them saying if you don't want that you don't have to do it by the way people who are going to be smart asses and say oh but you know like if it's an adidas jersey that's much different from having like like a bell or whatever on like the top thing of your torso. Sun Life Financial on the Raptors. Exactly. Just yeah. just to put it out there, we all we were in agreement that the NHL is extremely uncreative and that it will be the exact same sponsor as the helmet ads. Or do you actually think they're going to do something different? Well, okay. Well, what do you guys think? Like, so Scotiabank's definitely going to be there for the Leafs. Yeah, what would right. that be the secondary one? Like the opinion? one on the jersey? Yeah, in your opinion. Um. Ooh. Okay. So I saw some people throwing out uh, OVO, but I think that's Mm -hmm. Raptors and I don't think they're going to go that way, but I can very well see them going with the just with Justin Bieber's clothing line as like, if, if we're not going Scotiabank, if they want to do something creative, that's what I would do since he's tied to the team in multiple ways. Yeah. I'll be Adam for the Habs. Well, the two big ones are like Saint Hubert's and like Desjardins, which is like another. They just have a chicken, like no. Well, that's again, that's what Laval have is they just have the yeah. chicken from Saint Hubert's. 
which is like, it's a little distracting. Like, like, let me put it like this. If you're watching a game, like in at that speed in real time, you're not going to notice it that much, but it's just going to be so silly if like between play, there's like a zoom in and here's like serious, like Jack Petrie and there's just this chicken. Like it's, yeah. I'm not going to lose my mind and threaten to stop watching the game. Like, you know, people are going to do and have already started to do. It's just, it's just something like you just I like put your whatever on the gloves, the pants. I just leave my jerseys alone. But I mean, it's a necessary evil, especially with just how messy that financials are in the league. And yeah. I, I don't think I don't think technically our jerseys are jerseys technically part of hockey related revenue when it comes to escrow and that. Oh, I'd have to imagine. Yeah, I think so. That's why oh, we had great. a retro reverse. Yeah, they gotta. The league needs to make yeah. money, and the players have to pay back some money. Well, you know, the salary cap has to magically go up at one million dollars at the end of the year, even though the players still owe the owners a billion dollars. Yeah, and it's just gonna get worse and worse. Casual debt, right there. So, hmm. <laughs> I don't like it, guys. I don't like it. It's, but you know, again, there are there are worse things to happen. Again, like let's just not turn into just like. I don't know. Another good way of putting it is like if you watch Formula One and it's just here are these like, oh, God, here's the Shell Ferrari one here. Here's AMG and everything on, on Mercedes. And you're like, OK, this is a this is a bit silly. Very silly. Um, but I mean, then again, like, has anyone really been distracted with the advertisements on the boards when watching a game? Not really. How about the help? I, I'd be curious to see how many people have actually noticed the helmet advertisements. I, think- I remember oh, going on. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just remember the joke. A lot of people were saying that like they don't like the Scotiabank on the Leafs one. Like it looks like a senator, like logo. There are definitely some where it, it, it depends on. I think Pittsburgh's had some blue in it. It mm-hmm. just it depends if like you kind of have clashing colors, but you're only going to notice it when they zoom in on a player, right? Right. And again, how often are you really looking at a, at a helmet? Like you know, like how often do you notice Ovechkin's yellow laces? Not really that often. But uh, you know what they would notice is if they had a two-on-one podcast logo. Yeah, that's patch, true. Which I did. I think I tweeted it out. I'm pretty sure you, I did. We have to repost it so everyone can see it again. I think I'll make it the uh, head, the um, thumbnail picture. <laughs> and just put two-on-one on a Matthews jersey? Yeah, that's what we. That's what I did. I, it was enough. the first player I, I thought of when I saw it, to be honest. I, I would well, have speaking- picked a Montreal guy, but. Speaking of Austin Matthews, it's yeah. relevant. Alex obviously meant to set up the transition there. So thank you, Alex. Perfect timing. Uh, so Austin Matthews apparently started skating. He, you know, Maybe there's some bother in his wrist. He's gotten successful wrist surgery out, I think, by now. It was a total of six weeks. Yeah. Time doesn't exist, so I don't know how long ago the surgery was, like maybe a week ago. But it's just everything is so jumbled. Uh, so it looks like he'll be ready for the start of the season. It's still kind of surprising because we all knew that there there was the sort of uh, we knew that there was a problem with the wrist last season. Yeah, but he still like you wonder how much of a bother it really was back then because he was still scoring like a madman in the regular season. I'm I'm just trying to remember. I think it was CJ who reported it at the time that, or it was the it was an athletic article? It was one of the two for sure. I remember that specifically. It was one of CJ or the athletic who talked about um, Matthew's wrist bothering him. I believe it was sometime in March. So like this has been a thing for about the last third of the season plus the playoffs. Cause then it kind of just went away. It's like, well, 
is his wrist okay? Like I, we were having, I think we had the discussion on the show. Uh, if his wrist is not okay, why is he playing? I get the goal thing, but long-term is the more important. So clearly the issue, there was still that issue lingering. Yeah. I also too, I, I, it's pretty late into the summer, right? Or I really thought like they would get it done earlier for him because like, it is really right at like when the season's supposed to start. Well, think of it like this, right? What's the problem with Jack Eichel? Okay. It's surgery versus mm-hmm. rehab. Maybe there was a hope because like, let's be honest, if he's starting to shoot pucks now, maybe he was hoping like over the summer would heal because how much cost, like, let's be honest. How much was he shooting pucks over the summer? You know, he was, uh, he was at, he was, you know, going to UFC events and that, and you know, and he was yeah. going to going to baseball and people making a big deal out of it. So uh, I wonder if that's just it. Now he's going again, he'll, he'll be good for the start of the season. There, are, yeah, there is yeah. always that like worry. Cause it's wrist surgery. Like yeah, uh, people yeah. will immediately like start panicking. Tyler Johnson turned into like the most average player ever, ever since his Claude Giroux just kind of fell off and never really recovered from his. Eh, it's, it's a worry, but like, he's young, right? When does training camp start? Uh, middle of September around then? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so he should be back at least by training camp, if I can do math correctly. If, and, and let's be honest, if if you're Austin Matthews, I mean, you're going to be like, ah, oh, you know, uh, you know, like, let's wait after camp. I don't need to be there for that. Right, you know, right. I just got to rehab it, you know, because, exactly. you know, players hate training camp. <laughs> well, they're showing up in shape anyways. It's not like they're putting on 50 pounds of fat and having to take it off like the the good old days as they yeah. say i'm sure he just doesn't want to go through that like few days of just pure fitness testing <laughs> exactly exactly you know um that used to be well um i don't think they do it too much anymore but in the nba there used to be clauses where it's like in your contract you have to guarantee that you come back at your player weight that like you had the season before because there were certain players like Boris Diaw, for example, when he was on the Spurs, there was a clause in his contract like, okay, you'll get a bonus if you don't come into camp again overweight. Really? Yeah, because it oh, was I'm becoming sure. a thing with him where it's like, man, you really like, like in the summer, this guy didn't care. So, you know, is there a clause? Was there a clause with Houston and, and Harden for that? Is that was the whole thing to start the year? We've had that a couple times in the NHL. There have been players that have shown up and I think there was a guy in Tampa. Was it Slater Cuckoo? Oh, I know. No, I know who you're talking about. Oh, um, um Jake Dodge. Dodge. Yes, yes, Dodge yes. Dodge yes. Dodge Jake yeah. Dodge. Because then he went to like games. went to St. Louis, and then I think he ended up in Anaheim for a bit. Like he yeah. went, he, he made the rounds. Like he was a pretty good player. It just couldn't keep the weight down. Just didn't show up in you know, in shape to camp again. If that was the '80s, it's like okay, cool, that's expected. Right. But then it happened to Scott Glennie. What happens if you show up to Colorado Avalanche camp? Vibe, if you're Jeff, Do- if you're Jake Dawson, what does Nathan McKinnon do to you? Placed on waivers. Exactly. By Nathan he McKinnon, calls, not even the management. Yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> he calls Joe Sackick and says, Jake Dawson's on waivers and hangs up the phone. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. What's the real reason Philip Grubauer didn't get more money in free agency? He had one too many donuts and Nate was yeah. like, that's it. He's had enough. I'm He's had enough. This. We gotta cross the line there. Cross the line. Can't have it. Daniel. Yes. Do you want to show us your team Canada because you weren't here? Sure. First off, did you did you listen to the last episode? I did. What did you think of our lists? I liked it. Um, I mean, I think this has become a theme 
of like what I thought I thought with certain lists, like you kind of go off the board. And I think a big thing with this Olympics is that we haven't had it in a while. So we don't really have a good fair assessment of like, okay, who's the international guys? Cause we always had the world championships to kind of assess that as well. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I don't know. It's just, it is definitely going to be a younger team. Well, uh, so if, if a lot of potential there. So I'll share it now. The cynic in me said, if they go, by the it's, way, it's yeah. Okay. We're going off. The so is John Cooper going without the players? <laughs> He just goes on the trip to nah. What, what are we doing here? All right. Uh, oh, I I need your permission. Oh, Alex. My, I apologize. I apologize. I need your chicken permission. Go ahead. Go ahead. Did you, did you ever see? Did you ever see that meme? No. no. Where um people okay before I share it, people would have screenshots of like really bad typos. Okay. And then some instead of like parmesan the chicken yeah. parmesan he's yeah. like here's my chicken, chicken permission, permission recipe <laughs> yeah autocorrect isn't always uh autocorrecting i'll say it like that all right let's see this thing i expected at least two full rosters um based on past experience so, yeah. all right so my, here's oh the list before you keep going actually i, I do want to say in the mm-hmm. can you, let's start at the goalies then go d and forwards I think okay. I, I did tell you guys do three goalies, eight defensemen, and I think I said, um, I think I, I said fifteen forwards. So I'm excited yeah. to see that you already have six goals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Daniel, take it, take it away. Let's. All right. This. I mean, you know, there's really no argument here. Carey Price is number one. Mark Andre Fleury is going to back him up, and. That's basically, you know, one and two. That's Broder Luongo 2.0. And then for the backup goalie, you don't really know, right? Like Darcy Kemper, a lot of people talk about it, but I'm just kind of a bit iffy with it because of the injury history. And he has proven himself, but he's never proven himself in like the long stretches. So I know it's the third goalie, but I'll put him there because I like him. Um, For Carter Hart and Mackenzie Blackwood, I added them together because they're both young guys that they've been good and they've been not so good so i think a big thing is going to be who's gonna be hot starting next season yeah that so was like the mike smith thing you invite them to camp but they key cut them they don't make it past the first round yeah i love it okay fair enough uh, okay defensemen okay here you go. so yeah i know i have four defensive lines pairings right now but uh here it is. Um, so basically, this is basically Team Canada tradition. So it's also kind of John Cooper tradition, too. If you have two young guys who are going to be on your defensive pairings, you end up putting them in sheltered roles. So I think even though Kel McCarr is going to probably be the best defenseman there, I think that he just starts on the third pairing for now. And they're going to see what happens with that. Um it's pretty obvious, I think, with the defense. You can't really have too many kind of like what ifs, like, or who's going to get cut. To be honest, I think Aaron Ekblad could work his way up. The only thing is they're so strong on the right side again that I can't see him really cracking the top four. Um, it's really going to depend too on his injuries and see what happens. I think Sam Girard is someone who has the most potential to to do something with that left side that he may, I don't know, like maybe he'll push a Morgan Riley onto the seventh defenseman. We don't know. So those are your extra two defensemen. Buddy. Yeah. My extra two can, defensemen. can I, I just, you, you made a good point about Shabbat and Makar about them being young, but like the thing with Shabbat and Makar is that they're not like normal young defensemen because they they're in situations 
where they're already playing top pairing yeah it's like Makar is playing for a really good Colorado Avalanche team and he's being put in tough situations Tobin Shabbat on the other hand is is playing for the Senators who are rebuilding and up and coming but like I remember he played uh, uh I think it was for Team Canada I don't remember what tournament it was but it was like a 50-minute game that's probably um, the World Juniors the year that then he was yeah. silver for yeah, yeah they got right? the silver and the so shootout. like they're they're special young defensemen because they've been put in such difficult situations already. For and- sure. I, I use the example of Drew Doughty where he was already playing heavy minutes in his like first few years with the LA Kings. But then, you know, he starts off in the third pairing on the Olympic team in 2010, and then he worked his way up and like pushed Brent Seabrook out of the lineup. And, and by the way, just, just, just cause if you're not watching the video version, Shabbat Makar is, the third pair, Gerard Ekblad, the extra guys. Okay, keep. I made a joke here. I'm like the second pairing I have here of Morgan Riley and Dougie Hamilton is like what the Leafs should have had, but don't worry. I'm just kidding. I feel bad. I'm sorry, Alex. It's okay. Well, yeah, top pairing: Shea Theodore, Alex Petrangelo. I think that one was a bit of an obvious one where you kind of go with the familiar guys, and we'll see how it goes. Um, fun fact: Alex Petrangelo is the only guy on the defensive team that was both on the Olympics and the World Cup of Hockey, and he played the left side for Mike Babcock. Wow. Brent Burns was on the right side. That's impossible. Yeah. yeah. That's almost impossible. Yeah. All right, now on to the forwards. <laughs> That's a lot of guys. Yeah, I know. Um, so, yeah, first pairing. I think this one was kind of obvious. I liked going with Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid together on the first line, but I put Mark Stone there because I wanted the grit and like the two-way approach, so kind of really balances things out there. Second line is kind of the obvious one as well. It's the 2016 World Cup of Hockey line, Marchant, Crosby, Bergeron. I think if it's not if it's not broken, don't fix anything. Yeah. Right. Um, third pair, I think I went for the scoring and the, I guess defensive responsibility. So I have Jonathan Huberdo, Sean Couturier, and Braden Point. Um, so fourth line, um, it, and you know, this kind of changes with, with the extras I have there, because it's really going to depend on injuries and really what team Canada wants to go for. Like they want to go for like the high scoring on rolling out three or four lines, or they want like that responsibility line where we saw in 2010, 2014. Um, so fourth line I have for now is John Tavares, Ryan O'Reilly and Mitch Marner. I think that. Marner, I still believe in him. I think he could try to work his way up, but we'll see how that goes. For my extras, um, right now it's Mark Shifley and Mark Barzell slash Anthony Sorelli. Let's see who will play the better uh, season. Uh, who played better in the next season. And then I have Bo Horvath there. I guess, again, another defensive guy. Um, he's been pretty consistent, and I think he could excel in a bottom pair, bottom bottom line role but and i put steven stamkos here all because it is steven stamkos i love the guy but just injuries and i think that what he's been able to kind of be as in that guy is kind of gone like not gone but you already know like it's he's not a focal point anymore you brought up steven stamkos have you guys seen the hoobla that's been going on with steven stamkos so what people are like trying to say, so he sold his house, right? Yeah. Yes. Because he apparently got this offer he couldn't refuse and he's already bought the new house. Yeah. Still in Tampa. But yeah. And people are trying to say that the Tampa Bay Lightning bought it for more money. 
Well, so, <laughs> so I, I haven't seen that, but, but, but what I saw, like what was first reported is that he was selling his house and then everyone's like, Oh my God, the lightning are going to trade Steven Stamkos. Then I think it was uh, today. Uh, the same person reported that, that he received an offer for like two and a half times the value of his house which was like $17 million. And, and so he's like, yeah, like, here we go. I'll take that offer. Like, why, why would you say no to that? And then he bought another one, I think in the same uh, area. That's crazy. So he's not leaving Tampa Bay uh, would be the answer. That Do you remember when he liked that rumors? Like is Steven Sampo signing with the Leafs in the offseason? Everyone went crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. So did I hear you right when you were, guessing about who was going to have a better year between Barzell and Sorelli. Did I hear that right? Yeah. In terms of what, like, again, Team Canada wants, because, like, sometimes we talk about, like, picking the best guys, but we always know that the way the Olympic team is, it just, it's never like that. For example, like, Chris Kunitz started, I know because of the Crosby thing, like, Chris Kunitz started on the first line, or Patrick Sharp made it to the 2014 uh, team because... He had chemistry with like Taves, and like I, I meant, he was having a great season prior to that. But just again, we'll see. Like you know, Dan Hamhuis made the Olympic team. So wait, well, what do you see in Sorelli though? I What's see the- being like you know taking that next step as that two way center. That he has been really consistent. He 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 can score, and honestly, like I don't know. Like we saw a decline in Ryan O'Reilly's game. He might get him out of there. Sean Couturier, I love the guy, but he's coming back from injuries and inconsistency. We'll see how that's going to go. Like after Crosby and McDavid, I think it's open season for whoever plays the bottom centers. I I don't know if you all meant to put him in there for this reason, but he also plays for the team that John Cooper coaches. Mm -hmm. And I know he's not the general manager, but Let's not like let's not pretend that John Cooper has zero input on who's going to be on this team. I mean, That's why um I remembered Al um Adams list from like so it was like Yanni Gord going to make the team as well. What? Did I do that? I think yeah, you put Yanni Gord. No, I think Mike suggested bringing. No, oh, I, put, I did no, not put Yanni. No, that was Mike. Mike. That was okay. Mike. I had I had filled it up. Yeah. Because I okay, I don't mean to be a smartass here, Daniel, but do you know Anthony Sorelli has never scored 20 goals? So if you want a depth centerman to do a shutdown role, I think there are other options, aka a certain member of the LA Kings. Mm. That's Phil Deneau for any, anyone wondering what I was about to say. Uh, I was about Kopitar? I was about to say, I'll say Kopitar. No, no, no. Dual citizen. Is he Slovakian? Is that what he is? No, he's Slovenian. Slovenian. I just And for a while it was like the only Slovenian uh only Slovenian player in the NHL. I think there's like three now. And who are they? I'll find out. Give me yeah, one we'll second. All right. I'm gonna stop you, sharing. You, you keep yeah, go ahead. But if there's more. No, but that's my team basically. I know I have a lot of honorable mentions. Yeah. I wanted to do my best to see like, okay, like these guys deserve to be there. It's just it is, it's, it's been what? It's going to be eight years since we were able to do this. So I think there's a lot of changing of the guard of who is the mainstay guys now and who's going to really kind of make it. And I think now it's just, it's, it's kind of time to get away from like 
what I looked at what were previous Olympic um, predictions years ago. I remember looking through my old list where there was a still Claude Giroux or a Logan Couture making it. Well, think of it like this: like Bowmeister is obviously gone now. Dowdy probably won't make it. Weber's not going to make it because he's basically retired. Uh, there's yeah, there. Jamie Ben wouldn't be on this team. Yeah, Sharp is gone. Kunis is gone. Rick Nash is obviously gone. Jonathan St. Taves. St. Louis could barely get on the team even when his guy was running it. Never forget. There's weird, man. There is some um, – it's going to be yeah, – I always get it mixed up. Is it Doug Armstrong who's the GM, the one in St. Louis, or is that, is Doug the one in Arizona? No, that's Bill. That's Bill? Doug is the, yeah, Doug is the one in um, St. Louis. And then who's Tim running? is the lead singer of Rancid. Well, hold, hold on. I <laughs> – don't know what okay so we'll do we'll do we'll do it so arizona is bill armstrong yes st louis is doug armstrong doug armstrong is gm yes and then george played for the leafs how did doug armstrong get the job why was did they name him like right after the blues have won the cup was that his their thinking um that's a great question it wouldn't have been long after that i don't know it's just when you think of canadian gms I don't know. They were just other guys. Like, did they ask maybe some others? And it was like, you know, does this guy want? I just, but it I was know. not their guy. Well, let it's, me check. Do you have to be Canadian to run it? Is this it a was, rule? Like, I know obviously the, the athletes themselves have to be. But yeah. Um. So it was announced on February third, twenty twenty one, that Armstrong would be the general manager for Canada's twenty twenty two Olympic team, but he has been a part of Hockey Canada's management group since 2010 because it says he was there for the 2010 and 14 winter olympics 07 and 16 gold medal world championship teams 2016 world championship team and on and on so he's basically the next he has the experience i mean this is also the guy who let petrangelo just kind of walk correct i just think and i think that was done after he was named but i i don't know it's just the obvious answer is steve eiserman <laughs> I don't know if he didn't want it, but that that was just that's my thought. Is Eiserman. He's done a pretty good job of, you know, AK, look at Tampa. He didn't perfect that roster, but he built it to what we kind of know it. And then Breezebaugh kind of. Even Breezebaugh. What about him? He's from Quebec, that, but that's still. That's a good point. Uh, it's weird, man. It's uh, weird. To, to answer Daniel's previous question, there is only one Slovenian active NHL player, and that is Anze Kopitar. Oh, okay. So I was. What was I thinking of? Maybe you're thinking of the sure. Slovakians. Maybe. My apologies is, to is the Slovakians. Is Slovakian? Yeah, he's Slovakian. Is Chara Slovakian? Yes, he is. Don't like all yeah. the Slovakian hockey players like live on the same street. Isn't that a thing? I remember one time when they were actually stacked in 2010. What, is Gabrick Slovakian? Yeah, yeah, he is. That's, That's why they had prime, like prime. They had prime Hosa and Gabrick and. Chara on that team, I remember. Yeah, well, technically, Host is still active, isn't he? Yeah, for the so it's but yeah, so he is can't he... retire to help Chicago with their cap situation or like their money situation. So he's technically still being paid by Arizona, but he's hired by the Blackhawks as like a like oh, as a wait. like a development thing. Yeah, yeah, but no, no, the hard cap is great, guys. The hard cap is is just fantastic. Hey, so, so does Man Gabrick get a ring with the Lightning? Just no. fantastic, honestly. He, he could get a ring. They could do that because he you, did help. I just to just I don't know if you saw this earlier, um, but 
the Golden Knights placed that guy they got from Marc Andre Fleury on yeah. unconditional waivers. What's his name again? Like Mikhail Hakarainen. This is sad because I just read an athletic article about him. Like I know I was only like the other guy in the trade, but I'm still trying to pursue my NHL they, dreams. And this, they, this hurts. They literally now traded him for the reigning Vesna winner for nothing. But no salary cap. This hard cap is just so good, guys. By the way, we can clearly tell Hosa can't retire because they're playing shenanigans, you know. Oh, and they also traded the Cup champions, the Seabrook deal. Oh, but, but the Habs can't put Shea Weber on LTIR until the start of the season because, you know, this league. Pavel Datsuk's also on Arizona too, right? No, I think I, it's, isn't Hose, it done? Hosa's Hose uh, deal is up. Um, Datsuk, I thought Datsuk never got traded. I thought it was Zetterberg. Or Zetterberg never got traded. No, Zetterberg never got traded. Sorry. I think Zetterberg just expired. And Kessler never got traded. Yeah, Kessler, Kessler should should be around right now, but he instead he's doing Kess's house, which no one watches. But he's hanging out with Jeannie Bouchard doing something. Post Malone on Zoom, I don't know. This is Kessler's last year, by the way. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, okay. Maybe they should trade that deal because that would actually be. Well, then you know. Well, they'll it. trade him for a twenty-three to twenty-eight player who's not <laughs> hit his not. He's just about to enter his prime. Um, but I not, can't break like, you know. Like, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just sorry, I just remember that I have no. breaking news about the Ducks. Oh, has the, has the, uh, Bob Murray's uh, plan changed? No, Isaac Lundestrom has changed his number to twenty three. Wow. Yes, that's breaking news, and you heard it here first. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta switch my jersey. No, I'm kidding. Do you have an Isaac Lundestrom? No, I don't. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I almost bought him. Okay, what was the most random jersey you guys have ever tried to buy? You, or you almost bought? Well, I, I, I have Caulfield, obviously. Decent purchase. So mm-hmm. far. Not, that, yeah, that's not random. I, I had Pacioretty. Kind of makes sense. You had? Druin. Well, sorry, like I have Pacioretty, but because he's not on the Okay, team I'm like, anymore. something happened when he was traded. You're like, no, I'm done no, with this no. guy. Well, I didn't wear the jersey anymore because he didn't play for the team. But like, mm-hmm. I, I had that. I had. I had Kakanyami, which so far we'll see if he gets traded, but like that's still like a fair enough one. And then I had Lars Eller, which I think is um, kind of obscure, like third line center. But like beside that, like I've never been like, you know what? I really want to get a Tom Gilbert jersey. I never went that far. No. How about I, you, Alex? I think the weirdest jersey would be the Zach Bogosian jersey, Zach Bogosian. which was yeah, a recent 100%. purchase. But like I don't have like all the other ones, there's the Mar- Marner. Uh, Marner, I almost said Matt. I, I thought you were about Matt to say Martin. Matt Martin. No, no, the Marner. <laughs> uh, I have Kessel, JVR, Kadri, and then I have the Matthews one that's in the basement that's actually up now. But like, other than that, like, that's it. I have a Crosby mm-hmm. one, like that Team Canada from the World Cup, yeah, yeah. But other than that, like, that's got the Bogosian one's the weirdest one, I guess, if you throw that one in the mix. Mine was like a near purchase. I almost bought it. What's what? that? Uh, Pat Falloon on the Sharks. That is a very weird one. Because I just wanted the 90s Sharks jersey. Um, no, Owen Nolan's before that, right? Uh, I believe so, like a year before. Yeah. Oh, no, he was... No, Owen Nolan was drafted by the Nordiques. Yeah, I know, but didn't he, then, did he not play for the Sharks, though? Yeah, he got traded for Sandus Oslidge. 
Yeah, so you, I'm just thinking, like, who are sharks that played in the 90s? Yeah, Owen Nolan was there from 96 to 2000. He was decent for them. He was traded right before they won the Cup because he had a contract dispute. You mean Colorado, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah, he would. He was there. He played nine games their first year, yeah. God, I, I hate thinking about, man, what if they had stayed in Quebec for one more year? Everything no. changes. Everything changes. Well, no, because they don't get Wath. Never mind. Um, definitely not going to happen. Lads, um, another goalie has been signed. UC Soros is extended by the Predators. It's a four-year deal. The AAV is $5 million. He had a sneaky good year. Like, a really, his advanced numbers were very, very good. Goals saved above average. Our new favorite stat here at the 2 one podcast. <laughs> really fair deal. Really good deal, I think, for, for both the Preds and Soros. Yeah, I'm just looking at this now. Uh, his lowest save percentage when he's been a he's played at least 20 games has been 914. That is better than Lee average. That's pretty good. Yeah, like I'll, I'll go like he started in 1617. It was a 923, then 925, then 915, 914. And last year he had a 927. In 36 games. Like, remember a couple of years ago, it was always like, when is he going to get the shot? Like before Rene signed that last deal, it was Soros' time. But they were patient, and man, it looks like it's working out. I'm sure he will get plenty of shots next year when he oh, yeah. and David Riddick are the National Leaf Predators goal. Yeah. <laughs> National Predators goaltending tandem. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for him because I remember when he was coming up on the real juniors and he's like, he's an undersized guy. He, you know, he wanted to be slid in the draft because of this. We don't know what his projection is going to be like in the NHL. And, you know, he's, he's proving, he's proving he could do it. He could make it. You have to support the small goalies. There aren't a lot of them out there. It's still kind of weird though. When you look like that's a good move. Like I think you can, no matter what stage your team's out, extending a good goalie is always the right move. It is kind yeah. of confusing though, when Nashville are still not, we don't know what they're doing. And apparently there were reports now that they're trying to extend Ekholm and Forsberg. And you're like, okay, that's okay. Good. But why? So we're just, st- that's the, that's the golden question. They're trying to do the Detroit thing. They're trying to just get by also because it's going to ruin them. I know it's going to, because so much money is left there. I don't know. Like Here, here's you just try. It won't ruin them, but it will just keep them in place. That's the worst thing. You don't it, it's, it's Minnesota. No offense, but we'll get to them in the second here. But but you, you don't think – well, here's the thing. So you signed Forsberg, he's 27. You signed Ekholm, he's 31 right now. So out of year, so 28 and 32. It's going to get to a point where with Minnesota, at least you had young guys surrounding them, like – Forsberg and Ekholm are surrounded by Duchesne, Johansson, Granlund, Sissons. Like, I, I, it's just there's no names. What was that, that Granlund are, contract, that, by the way? Yeah, that was an odd one. Like For, five million AAV yeah. or something. It, it, it's that was a weird one. Like they're just maybe it won't ruin them, but it has the potential to ruin them, like it did Detroit. And like I feel like we're just scratching at just scratching at trying to get into the playoffs the same way that Detroit did. Like what are we what's what's the end goal for David Poyle? Like is he just trying to save his job or is he trying to properly do it? 
I think it's the revenue aspect of it too, because you know, with the Red Wings, they're they're kind of like the Leafs. Like you could rebuild and do all of that, and people will still go to the games. But I think a team like Nashville, where they've had, they didn't really have too many of those like quote unquote rebuilds or anything. Like sure. they've had those off years, but I think that that as a fan base, they got used to it. They kind of got used to like, okay, they're rolling. Like we need to do something about this and keep on going. Like uh, one example is the Coyotes. They get to the conference finals in 2012 and they still just try to keep adding for two or three years, like hoping Mike Smith could still play 60 games a season and look at where they are now. Uh, There's just the thing with Nashville is like, it it very much felt like it was the, and the word was that it was revenue as to why they didn't go completely balls to the wall selling last year as well with like, they didn't get the prices they wanted on guys. And I listen, I, I don't know. Nashville is not a full building a lot of the time. So I, I would get if there is that financial stuff to it. It's just for the long term and building a team. You, you, eventually you got to win. Like you got to choose the direction. I mean, like, like Minnesota, say what you want about them. At least they still have that passionate fan base. Like right. that's an underrated arena, right? You just, you got to, you got to get there like Vegas, People forget when Vegas started out, I watched their games. Uh, it wasn't full to start in Vegas. No. If they didn't have that first season, they're not what they are right now. Like in terms of like how crazy that fan base is. Winning does a lot for now, like just in general. And I think with Nashville is they've just never, they've never taken that real step. Like when they were at their best in that 2017 run, it was when Johansson looked great. And I think it was, he had that guy, it was some sort of lower body injury. Like he was on crutches or whatever. He just never recovered. And then you just kind of think like this Granlin deal, like that 5 million, like that's what you would have thought like Minnesota Granlin would have gotten. Yeah. And it's just been like, and again, the Duchesne thing is they've kind of in a different reality when, if they pay a premium to get a centerman, like yeah. if this is a different space when they're like in an Eichel or something, you could get it, but it's just like you spend this money on these guys and it's just, but then you've got all these bloated sort of terrible deals in the most important positions in your franchise. And you're just going, you're ripping your hair out at it. And again, like he just like at home walked for nothing or like for like a bunch of picks. Cause he wanted to protect some no name defenseman in the expansion draft. Like, come on. Guys. Like that, that's, that's the thing is it seems to me like they, they half-assed a rebuild or they half-assed a retool. And say, okay, we're going to trade Ellis and we're going to trade Arvidsson. Where, fine, if you wanted to trade Ellis, that's fine. Like, they were rumored to wanting to get rid of a defenseman because they've been, they, they want to bring up, I believe his name is David Ference, who uh, I believe they just signed out of the NCAA, who they drafted. But what was, like, I understand then wanting to re-sign Philip Forsberg for the fact that he is a name and everyone knows Philip Forsberg. But you trade Ellis for pennies on the dollar. I'm so like, I can't be the only one who thought that deal was not what it should have been. Like mm-hmm. you got Philip Myers, um, Nolan Patrick, who turned into Cody Glass, and uh, who was the third player I'm missing? They got three. They got two. No. I'll look up the deal. But it, it to me, it just seems like. They tried it, but they they don't want to do it. Like I, so my my if 
in my head, my, my reaction is, okay, if we're going to rebuild, you need players to rebuild around, obviously. I don't think it was necessary to sign Mikhail Granlund to that deal. I don't think he's a name the same way Philip Forsberg is a name. I would absolutely re-sign Philip Forsberg because he's a good player. But you build around Forsberg and Yossi and Soros. Like those are your three guys in my head. If you have to pick one from three position, those three positions, that's how I would say you do it. But I, I don't know what's going on in Nashville, to be honest. Um, holding before, on. Before you go, Daniel, just 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 um, illustrated Philly. Yeah. Uh, Nashville received Myers and Patrick, who was went for glass. So it was um, apparently it was it was just uh, it was just the Nolan Patrick glass thing in Philip Myers, which is just that shocking. was it. Shock apparent. That's what the that, NHL.com are. That's, that's so that's underwhelming. I, yeah. Right. So, like, I think we actually had that discussion on the show, but like, that's a secretly not great trade. No. Especially <laughs> when uh, Rissa Line and Dot left Buffalo first, like that yeah. same week. <sighs> Nashville must be kicking themselves, man. If they waited a week, a week. I think it just, it just makes me laugh where it kind of goes with that whole Bob Murray joke we have where just Nashville didn't want to get those raw prospects they wanted like these two young guys that they could plug in right away and just contribute like they 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 will contribute but you just don't like you're just betting on that upside Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh looking now shall we move on and uh, look at some winnipeg stuff quickly i'd love to okay the jets they did some work today um, not today. What am I talking about? Time doesn't exist, people. Uh, they've re-signed Neil Pionk, famously, from the Jacob Truba deal. Uh, it is a four-year deal. It's worth $23.5 million. The AAV is 5.875. Well, as a cabinet, there's some trade protection in there. But some people kind of go and oh, love this deal. But considering what he does offensively and the fact that it's not $8 million like Truba, <laughs> I kind of like a sneaky good deal like this for the Jets. Is that the bar? He's not Jacob. He's not as, it's not as high as Jacob Truba. Therefore, it's, a good it's not that massive out of a <laughs> right. Not to mention, he'll be 30 at the end of this. It's like, those are his best years you brought exactly. him up for. That's tidy business. And, and I think overall, they've done some really good work on that back end. Uh, I mean, bringing in Nate Schmidt, I, I, I don't mind that, that deal. Um, and then you say what you want about Brendan Dillon, but the, maybe the price was high, but where you're, where they're going to play him, it's not the worst place. It's what they needed. They exactly. Needed a tough defensive defenseman. They keep, so no, they, keep, oh, they keep doing what I said they should be doing, which is good in a funny way where um, the naked, they're not making huge swings. Like I thought they were going to do for uh, like a Ryan Ellis or a Matthias Echo, but they're fortifying everything and they're just kind of getting where they need to from like the guys who are coming up and the guys that they're getting like, not, not for too much. Like the Brendan Dillon one, I think that was, that was pretty effective in a way. I know it was two second rounders, but I don't know. I, I was kind of weird too with the, what the capitals were doing with that. But anyways, um, yeah, like, I don't know. I keep thinking Neil Pionk. I don't know why I, I've become a fan favorite of that guy. And I think it's just because, he, like he wasn't really like necessarily the throw in, in it, but it just, he was a guy where it's like, we'd rather have Jacob Truba than Neil Pionk, the New York Rangers. Boy, Truba was like, 
Well, because like the, the, the sort of the noise around the whole Drupal stuff and it was year to year arbitration, arbitration, just trying to get to the point where you'd finally fix that problem. First year in Winnipeg, 45 points in 71 games. This year in 54, 32 points. Like it's just a solid guy. And again, he doesn't make $8 million. It's just they 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 just had to nail that deal and they did, thankfully. Plus um, they had Millie Hanola, like, you know, another defenseman. Except they're not going to play him. No. Well, see, and funny enough, so these are who Cap Friendly have on their main roster as defensemen. Uh, Morrissey, who apparently, I was looking at some advanced numbers about Morrissey. Apparently, since Bufflin's been gone, oh, he has been exposed a little bit. Um, oh, boy. Uh, but obviously, again, he's been like one of the few good defensemen there, so you get him a solid partner. Uh, Nate Schmidt, Neil Pionk, Brendan Dillon, uh, Dylan DeMello. Uh, Nathan Bolia, Logan Stanley, Sammy Niku, and that's not including some other young defensemen. Uh, it, it really sounds apparently there's been a lot of kind of whispers around that Sammy Niku was probably gone. Yeah. But yeah. you you do worry like you, you think of like okay how the Sandberg look and again you guys mentioned Hanola. There is a there's a, all of a sudden a log jam at defense and you know that's not the worst thing because it creates competition within the lineup right which is. I, I last year, sorry, last year we we had we said that Winnipeg literally took a single step forward. Yes. When it came to their defense, because I believe it was just Dylan DeMello that they added. Right? Yeah. Was, right. Yeah. Um yeah, the deadline last this year. It was no, no, it was free agency. Wait, what? No, was it Mike Riley? No, Mike Riley was on Boston. Who was the other defenseman they got? Oh, um uh, Jordy Ben. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Jordy yeah, that helps in the playoffs, didn't it? Um, but I, I, I just think I don't know about you guys, and I know it. Not much has changed, but I'm a, a little more comfortable with Winnipeg's defense than I was a year ago. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. A year it's and a not, half ago. It's not just a, a mess of juggling Tucker Pullman in there now. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, they didn't have to overpay Tucker Pullman. Jim Benner no. did that. No, no. I, I, I can't believe there's just something about a Canadian team and having a player who clearly isn't performing well, is never in the right role, and then some other Canadian team thinks, I can fix that. And, and like CC from Ottawa to Toronto, Pittsburgh, an American team figures out how to work with it, comes back to Canada, Albatross of a deal, Tyson Berry still up in the air. What? Yeah, Zaitsev, yeah. But at least, like, the sense of just, he's just been quiet minute muncher there, right? But it just, it's such a thing in Canada that there's just this, like, everyone knows that this player is better in this role or they're just not great overall, but they just seem to think we're a Canadian team and we can fix this, <laughs> and it never works. Another example, That's Roman it. Horak. Horak? Who went back and forth between, like, Edmonton and Calgary. I don't know who that is, but. Well, and you talk about Edmonton Calgary, and it's like, I remember when Talbot went back and forth. I think, did, did Mike Smith play for the Flames for a yes, little bit? He did. Yeah, yes, he, he did. did. And then the Neil Lucic stuff. And it's just like, why are we like Canadian teams should be the standard for how to roll an organization, but they just consistently trip over themselves and almost embarrass the sport at sometimes, it feels like. If you told me in, let's, let's say, 2015, that the model organization to look at is a team is the team in Florida. I would have laughed. Both of them. Yeah. Like I would have laughed. I would have laughed. Um, 
And not to say like Tampa wasn't a good team at the time. I think in 2015, they were still decent. I don't he, remember he made the, the cup final that year. Right. <laughs> they, they were decent. But like they weren't the same as they were now. You know what I mean? They they're no. not the dominant Tampa Bay Lightning that we know them as. And love or no, we just know them. No, just know them. Okay. No, there's no love. How dare you even try and throw the word love around with them? My apologies. I'm not over the finals. <laughs> I'm too early, too Corey. soon, too soon. I'm not over Corey Perry going there. I'm Zach not over Gaugian, I know, right? Eating poutine oh, out the cup. Alex Kalorn in front of the Bell Center with the cup. I'm not over the. I'm not over Kucherov. I'm not over any of it. I have far from love the Tampa Bay Lightning. Can't, How long will this? I can't believe this last? you just brought up Zach Bogosian and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm, I'm sorry. It just well, you went back. You you asked how long am I going to take to get over this? Until Montreal win a cup, okay? You gotta oh, remember, I have, I, I'm, I not over, my... I'm not over Chris Kreider, dude. You think I'm gonna mm. get over? No, no, this it's is not happening. This is random, but you guys remember when we had labs or we had a Wednesday class, and I used to have that yes. Montreal Canadiens hat. I found it recently. I remember that. I don't remember, remember that. We weren't in the same labs. So All right, I won't remember. Give me two seconds. Okay. 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 Disappear. All oh, right. Wow. Disappeared. Just the two of us. So, Alex. Yeah. I was looking at, um, I was looking at the Florida Panthers. You were talking about sort of the model organizations. <laughs> if you said that a year ago, man, you would have been like, get out of here. <laughs> so, all of a sudden, they've got a real good team, good young guys, and that. But they had a pretty, pretty oh. weird veteran in Joe yeah. Thornton. They kind of question around his play. Like as a full time NHL, he's very much in, in doubt. But uh, I was talking to Alex Baumgartner on yeah. Twitter. I'm like, what do you think of this deal? And you made a really interesting point when you think of like Candle and uh, Candle, Yandel and Strawman being gone. But all of a sudden, a lot of that veteran sort of presence in Nashville, sorry, in Nashville, in Florida, yep. sort of disappeared. <laughs> so for that reason, I kind of like them bringing in Joe Thornton. I, I don't – here's why I don't mind the deal at all, because they're not going to play him on the first line. No. On the left side. Like, they, they, I don't know where they're going to play him, but I imagine it's going to be in the bottom six, better suited to his ability. Now, yes, I have crapped on Joe Thorne a few times this year because it was sometimes hard to watch him skate. But if you play him in bottom six minutes – I can't imagine this is going to be a bad signing. And also, I also imagine he is not going to be in the lineup every single game. No. Um, like, I, I just think that is that that's the reality here. And I think that the Florida Panthers have guys, and I think they did prove that a little bit last year as well, that can just fit into the fourth line and be like, okay, I can play there. Like bringing in Joe Thornton at this point of his career, because he is 42 years old, um, is more than just what he brings on the ice. It's a lot of what he brings off the ice. And you make a good point about Yandel. And who was the other player? Sorry. Strawman. Yandel and Strawman leaving and bringing in a guy like Joe Thornton, who has plenty of experience in leadership. You know, that reminds me of. Tell me. After the lockout and Gary Roberts and Joe Newendike left Toronto and then they signed in Florida. You know, also did that a year later at Belfort. Really? 
Yeah, so some names you know, that come out of Toronto, and you're like, really? Like, a lot of Hall of Famers uh, going from Toronto to Florida. It's a weird uh, trend. I was re- I was reminded the other day that uh, that uh, JS Jagir was a Leaf. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember That's that. Weird. It's just that thing of like uh, guys at the end of the career. Maybe they're from Toronto and they just come in and it's like mm-hmm. oh, we're in a cup. And then you know, uh, insert joke by the way about teams not being able to get out of the first round, bring in a perennial choker in the San Jose Sharks, Joe Thornton. Insert joke here. Oh jeez. Beat people there. I'm kidding. I'm rooting for Joe to get a cup. Same here. Unless he runs into Montreal, then no offense, Joe. No. Go back to Switzerland. <sighs> Are um, you guys surprised he's still playing? By the way, no. No, the NHL. No, because it's it's Joe. He can still play like to a certain extent of like the role he's given. It's just last year. It just I didn't like the shuffling. I mean, why is Joe Thornton playing on the power play? <laughs> like first power play unit when you like you're trying to close out a series. Like like even if he could make a pass, like he stop it. Like there's a certain point where you're like, like if you need a goal. There are many more important and viable players than Joe Thornton, even at the, especially at this like, time in his career. Like you know, there's just it's all about using him the right way is is the key thing, right? And he's, putting him. Sorry. No, it's just the last thing I'll say is like obviously, like Baumgartner suggests me he's like max max fifty games played. I was like, yeah, that's pretty fair. You give him load management. You you have to put him in the right situation. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I had to throw that one in there. By the way, I found the hat. Okay, let's oh, yeah. see. It. You guys yeah. don't remember this? I used to wear this like if quite you, a few times. If you show the hat, then I might remember it. Yeah. I don't remember it. No. Uh, no, no, no. I think I remember you wearing it once or twice, actually. Yeah. So then the 93 stuff reminds me of it. Um, I don't I was. It. I found that at a garage sale for $6. I was, I was going to mention something, but I've, it's completely slipped my mind. Oh, wait. Yeah, no. Joe Thornton. No, no, it, it's something with um, we've kind of moved on from it, but like you know, sometimes there's the so that's Toronto. Whoa. It 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 yeah, well it, yeah, it, but it was just this thing of it was this clip I saw of Masai because I guess he talked to the media today, mm-hmm. and he's just like, I'm not gonna sit here and cry about players not wanting to come and play here because we're over yes. that. And this kind of had a flashback to every time I've heard a Canadians like a Canadian GM or coach or player or fan base mention or an analysis saying. Um, or analysts, sorry, saying people don't want to play in Canada. And I'm just like, man, at some point, I'm just like, I want someone like Masai to just say, like, no, no more excuses. Like, it's just, we have to be better. Like, there's just, sometimes there's not enough. There's always the party line in the press conference. And sometimes you're like, I don't want that. Like, that's not the message the fans want to hear. It's just, like, just say we effed up and we have to be better. And uh, just... The side of business, a bit of a accountability sometimes goes a long way with the fan base. Um, finally, I he, sorry, I think he's done a good job at that. By the way, uh, who Masai? Yeah, I mean, Not, he's put he's put in a situation where he has to do a good job. Yeah, uh, and he's found a way to do it in, um, just drafting and developing. Like that's the easiest way to do. It's easy, but it's the, it's hard. Sorry, it's not easy. It's hard, but it's the best way to do it. The guy had the balls to trade a fan favorite for a guy he knew wasn't going to resign and went with it. Yeah, with, with Kawhi Leonard, it's um, it's all it's it's rock star stuff, really. I use that a lot. That an analogy. Yeah. For people like, there's another baseball one, but I don't know. I know you guys. Did you guys watch Space. baseball in 2012? 
No, but you can no, okay. say it anyways. Okay, but um, it's this thing where you always have to make a decision with something. Yeah. It's either your, you know, your professional or you know your personal decisions with things. And I'm like, sometimes you just have to be willing to put down your Demar Derozan, your Yaka Pertle, and your first round pick if you want that Kawhi Leonard. Or um, the baseball one I used to use, but it's 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 aging a bit now because he's not as dominant anymore. But you have to be willing. If you're the Blue Jays, to put down your Noah Syndergaard and Travis Darno, if you want that Ari Dickey. That, that's that's what I was that's what I was gonna say. Like my baseball knowledge is extremely minimal, but like, mm-hmm. isn't it similar to what uh, Alex Anthopoulos did in in bringing in um, Tulowitzki, Don, uh, I think Donaldson, and and I, David, David Price, Price, yeah, right. And he knew like he gave up the farm. Yeah, he gave, and, he, that's why he didn't tried, get signed. Yeah, right. And he tried to go for it. Obviously, it didn't work out, but he you have to go for it. And I I don't think the the best general managers are the guys who aren't are aren't afraid to just go for it. Yeah, hey. just for context, I'll, I'll, um, Adam. Yeah. So I know it's not always comparable baseball and hockey, but that's what Alex Andopoulos did in 2015 in a single trade deadline is what it'd be like if you traded Cole Caulfield and like Jesperi Cook and Yemi and like Jan Mishek in the had, same deadline. And they had that, and the Jays had that, I think what the, the run they had when they lost the Royals Yeah, was probably the best. But then again, like I remember how hype it was around Toronto. When I was, when I was in cadets, I remember we were at some exercise in, uh, in at, at CFB Borden in, um, in Blackdown. Um, sorry, no, Blackdown's in Borden. Sorry. Um, training center is called Blackdown. And I remember, I think it was a Saturday night or something. And we were brought to one of the barracks to watch a Jays game in that run, uh, which like, obviously we never did. It was really rude. And especially when it wasn't like a sports drill weekend, it was just like one in the bush. And like, that's how big of a deal it was back. And I remember we'd have our, like, we're like one of our Wednesday night, normal cadet nights. And like one of our commanding officers saying, yeah, so the Jays won. And actually I'm sitting there like, I don't care. Cause I didn't like baseball back then. Were you the guy that's like, oh, can you put the Habs game on instead? Honestly, I remember there was this one guy named Malcolm Hooper, and uh, he came into class one day. Um, I can't remember. And he was just like, hey, hey, Flage. I'm like, hello. And he was like Master Corporal Hooper at the time. And he just like on the projection, this is in front of the whole class. It was either my first or second year. And he just throws the projector on. And, and like, he just brings up the score of a Habs-Leafs game. And I think that the Leafs had come back. Montreal won the game because it was it was that stretch where the Habs had won 14 straight. And I like, you know, you, you bring up hockey. Like I had a, there was this other girl named Laura who was a big Bruins fan. And I remember rubbing in her face that the Habs had won the 2014 series. And uh, that was that was fun. But like, you know, I, you know, like the sports and like the sports weekends, I'd show up my Habs jerseys and everyone's a Leafs fan. It's like, yeah, I don't care. The, 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 the thing with the Blue Jays at that time is like, you look at the big teams in Toronto and they were the first ones in how many years to make, to go on those type of runs. Like no, no offense to the Argos. And I mean, like, it's just, they're not, it's not the, to Canadians, it's the same. I, I, Mm. I think to Canadians who follow the CFL, it's the same, but I think to, to the outside perspective, like the U S 
the CFL doesn't mean anything to them. Well, if Baldwin's listening to this, he's going to come after us for this conversation. No, but I'm not. I'm not saying it's not. It's not as worthy. I'm sure. Like, listen. Like, there's Canadians out there who love the CFL, and but when you look at the big sports leagues, no one, no one's talking about the CFL. Like, it's just the reality. It's not massive, but it's its fans are wild. Right. Yeah. Yes. Wild. Yes. 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 I'm not trying to discount the CFL, but it was the first big team in Toronto to make a run because this was just before TFC started to push. And ultimately, like kind of adding on to what you're saying here. Yeah. Like it it this like you get your gray cups and your MLS like cups, whatever. Nothing matters if like the Jays are red. Like listen, as I've told this before, I remember going on the go train through Toronto during the Raptors run. Yeah. And you couldn't sit down on the train and like you'd have to stand in the aisles between the seats on the go train because it was that busy. Um, and like, and yeah, I remember seeing clips of, of, um, of, um, the Toronto FC parade. It's like, you could still walk on the sidewalks, like around the the parade route. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, I remember, I remember when the Raptors won, we, I was watching it with my friends, obviously this is pre COVID, but we drove to Jane, uh, Jane Young and Finch, which Mm -hmm. is just like a, major intersection into the city of Toronto. And there is hundreds of people in the streets. Like this is something I've, I've never seen before ever mm-hmm. hundreds of people and watching the parade. It, it just, it's goosebumps. It's goosebumps all around. And I'm not that big of a bass. Like I follow basketball, but not, not intensely. Like I know the other guys do. I just wish that some GMs would like, like, here's the big problem that you, you see, and is and Kyle Dubas's legacy will be the can and we will thing, no matter what happens. If they lose next year, and because obviously it, it's pretty easy, if the Leafs don't win next year, Dubas is gone. And, and it's just at some point, the question will be asked if Dubas had moved off his philosophy, and that is not bringing in gritty bottom six players. No, people saying, it. like, man, Wayne Simmons means he changed the philosophy. No. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Like, if, like, that's the thing is, like, remember the Sam Bennett thing? And it was like, Trilliving wants to hold on to him because he was the first guy he picked. Yeah. Like, having the balls to go over and, and like, change your plan and, and go for that move is, is just something we lack so sorely here in Canadian <laughs> hockey sometimes. It's, I, it's disgusting. I do think trading, not trading Sam Bennett for because he's your first pick is a little different than not trading one of the big four because like it's you know i get i get the point you're making i i get the point you're making i just those two are i'm not saying different. say yeah i'm not saying sam bennett's the same just as Rich Marder, even in the same stratosphere i'm not saying that. yeah or the I'll, islanders he's, so i went back <laughs> they held on to michael del cole until right. like his when nah. qualifying years are done yeah. <laughs> I, I went like kyle's dubis's philosophy was never fully analytic. Like I've been list, I went back and listened to a couple of interviews he did because I got bored. And it's like, well, he's he said from day one that he like he was a scout at 17. Like he, he was in scouting. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like it's not all analytics. And if you listen to him talk, that's no no way he says. I think his philosophy is the big four, and that's how we're gonna win. 
That's what his philosophy is, not analytics. Listen, best player available. Listen, you don't need a war chart to tell you Patrick Kane's a good player. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like at some point you're just kind of, it's, it's just, it's, it's simple. It's simple guys. But no, it's just the thing I mean, like comparing Bennett to that is just, it's just the damn straight line that the GMs walk in this yeah. country. Like, just don't like, don't be afraid to sort of do a sidestep or something is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we talk about Minnesota? Yeah. So we're going to talk about the wild and then we're going to just have a look at some of the free agents who are still around. Uh, Kevin Fiala and the wild have a little agreement before arbitration. There are still some arb cases to kind of go, but we'll look at those in a second. One year deal, $5.1 million is the AAV, the cap, whatever you want to say. Um, First off, I think before we get there, that because Fiala, great. Okay. You'll have to see it. Uh, It was a big question about resigning Fiala. Uh, It seems to me there were, there was still a massive gap. Um, towards what Minnesota wanted and what uh, and what Fiala Cap Cap Camp really wanted. Um, Daniel, you're a resident wild guy, mm-hmm. so before we talk about Fiala, I do need to ask you because you weren't here last week. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov reportedly has, I think it's what was it, eight digit contract waiting for him in Russia. Yeah, I think Moscow is the team. Bill Guerin is not concerned about it from his comments. Um, there's word that there hasn't been a contract made, I think, since April, was it? Yeah. Looking at that, and it's a one-year deal, we're going to be right back in this situation with Fiala in a year in Minnesota. What's the feeling like in the state of hockey? Apparently, um, this is according all to Michael Russo, by the way, that, that seven, eight-year pitch the Wild had, it's, it's virtually like, that's not a starting point anymore that I think they've kind of relented to a certain extent, but they still want years of control, not years of control, but you know, years of control of his lot, his remaining RFA um, years and just have some sense of a length there, like not doing the one year. Apparently Bill Guerin wants four years for Kaprizov, try to work around there and just see what happens moving on, moving forward, because, you know, that gives them a bit more control when, you know, that those death pills of uh, the Parise suitor contracts kind of jump in. So he gets a better idea of, you know, I don't have to, I know this is already set in place. I don't have to think about, all right, you know, not only I have to do another contract or I have to trade this guy, but I also have to deal with suitor and Parise. So that's kind of the feeling how it is now. Um, And it's, basically the same thing that we've mentioned so many times before. It's just that momentum the wild had that, you know, that, that thinking that these big moves they've been able to do without sacrificing anything, or they've been able to be incremental with the guys they're bringing in. It's just, it's that feeling now where I, and I feel it too with them. It's just, they're stagnant. Like, I don't know what they're going to look like now. Like Carson Susie was a minor takeaway from things when he got picked by the Kraken, but at the same time, you look at what the Wild had to do. Like they overpaid Alex Goligoski, and you know he's projected to be in their top pairing. This guy's getting five million dollars at thirty-six. That's an underrated one. I keep forgetting Goligoski's there. Well, a four-year deal, like a, a short-term deal, makes sense for Minnesota, though. At the same time, because so if it, if it's a four-year deal, then the last two of that are when the Parisian suitor contract dead cap hits are around seven million. 
So at the end of those first two years, when you have the relief is, and there's been a lot of debate about not just like giving up your rentals with one year, but we've had conversation before, like Ekholm, exactly. Forsberg was another one last year with like Petrie and, um, Petrie and uh, Tatar, I think it was that like you're in a position there where all of a sudden you could deal like Kaprizov for that grand slam package. If you finally commit to that rebuild, if the four years is there, has, has Russo said whether or not like at this point for sure, what does Kaprizov want? Because it looks like he's already getting his way. Cause it's no longer, we've slashed the term in, in half from where we started at full term. He wants the short term, but the thing is, and it's been brought up so many times before, like they got burned with the last time they had a uh, superstar winger you know, when Marin Gabrick left in his prime and they got nothing for him. Mm-hmm. So to me, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask like, what, 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 just, what the hell does short term mean? Yeah. Is it yeah. one? Is it three? Like what? Cause he's so what, if he sounds like a two year deal, he's, he can walk after that. Can't he? Yeah. He can walk, which is obviously not what they don't want to walk him right to free agency. Uh, and I would have to imagine that's what he wants. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. He never really mentioned, like, he was not committed, but he never didn't say, like, he's like, oh, I definitely want to get out of here. It's, I don't know. It's just, it's, <laughs> it feels like Kawhi Leonard, to be honest, in Toronto, <laughs> where it's just, you know, he technically is your best player, but it's just that reluctancy is there. I will give my best when I play for the Chicago Blackhawks and the Columbus Blue Jackets, but I want to play in New York. <laughs> He's basically your type in there. Yeah, like, like to me, if he does actually want to play in Minnesota, and for what, like, it just that that's something that still seems to be up in the air. If he wants to play in Minnesota, because for whatever reason, but for me, both sides looking at it, it is perfect that four years because in four years' time, if I can do math correctly, when he becomes a UFA. That is when Parise and Suterbio becomes eight uh, 800K each. So, okay, you take a short-term deal or four-year deal, if that's not short-term, but you take the four-year deal at a lower cap hit than eight, million, eight years, and then you get paid in four years because the cap is expected to go up, and there's now almost $14 million in extra cap space available that comes off because of those two huge buyouts. Like I, I just don't see the reluctance, especially on Kaprizov's side, unless he doesn't want to be in Minnesota and he thinks he can push this a year further. But I think Adam was saying in the last episode, even if he comes, even if he goes to Russia, he still has to, he still technically the rights are held by Minnesota. Yeah. So I, I don't know. The end goal is either you're traded or you sign a deal or you walk to free agency. He's trying to force their hand, basically. And it's ironic because um, my last thing for the hockey writers, um, I wrote about how they've been able to draft more Russians lately. And this, ha- this hasn't, you know, the whole KHL threat. It hasn't been a huge thing since like 2014. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate it's now. Back. It's scary. Uh, you guys have a thought on, on the Fiala stuff? It, it just, I'm getting worried that it's just kicking the can down the road. Yeah. What do you think, it, Daniel? I think it's just, it's that assessment of like, what is Kevin Fiala to this team? Like, is he a top line guy? Like, he has been a point per game guy, and then things kind of settled down when the team got better last year. He had 40 points in 50 games. 
but it just because you know his number what was it 6.7 he wanted a year in arbitration yeah and then they settled yeah um like i I guess like what would you commit to him long term like would that still be like that five five point five range for like four years and do you expect that he's still going to put up those type of numbers um or where is this team going to be at because he is one of those guys where if you actually want to slow things down again, like would you still want to have this guy on the books at like 27, 28 at that cap hit? I want to do, I need to figure out how that, how do you calculate? Okay. So points per game would be 40 divided by 50, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's 0.8 points per game. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I do that, okay. Okay. How do we figure out an 82 game pace then from there? Let's let's see because that's around sixty four games last year. You do point eight times eighty two. Eighty two. Okay, so he'd be on pace for if you round up sixty six points. Mm. So and if you look at the year before, he had fifty four points in sixty four games played, and then if you times that by eighty two, it's sixty nine points. That's pretty nice. So he's around sixty to a seventy point player. He can score. It looks like he has the capability to hit 30 in the full year. I'm thinking like right off the top of my head, who's a guy 60, 70 points that can score you a lot of goals. I'm thinking Max Pacioretty. So I'm thinking around the, it's around six. I think it'd be fair on a long-term deal. Yeah. I was going to say William Nylander, but I like Max Pacioretty better. Yeah. At that example. I just, I go Pacioretty because there is, there is like a nearly like a decade of war of like, example under him yeah yeah no, it's no, my one right. thing with that at the same time though the risk with fiala is he's only had this the past two years and that first breakout year he only had 64 games played which is naturally a word like he hasn't earned that deal yet but now the problem is he has that one more year to show it but then if he just goes to arbitration gets another year he then also walks for nothing and then you could i think it's either would be the year after that if you get Caprice off a two-year deal, he walks as well, which is uh, yeah. not a great situation. It's not a fantastic situation at it's all. <laughs> it's it's a tough one to to look at because not that their D got demolished, but they it took lost a step two. back. It, it, it did, to be honest, looking at it, it, did take a step back in in buying out Ryan Suter and losing Carson Soucy. Like that's a I think in their case, that would be a top pairing defenseman and their third pairing defenseman. Yeah. Right. So like those are two significant pieces to, to lose. And then adding Alex Goligoski, Dmitry Kulikov and John Merrill um, it, it isn't fan, isn't fantastic. Like they, they have work to do. That's why I'm like, what exactly? Okay. So yeah, like you're pushing Kevin Fiala down the line and then, and then what? Like if, Cap- just, if Kaprizov, just, I, I want to just, just a future problem. <laughs> I, I exactly like I want to I want to ask you this question because I was thinking about it the other day. I, I both of you, if Kaprizov does go to the KHL, hypothetically, what do you do with his rights? I'm thinking you can't do anything until see if memory serves. They couldn't really, there was never word about Kovalchuk until there were whispers that he was for sure coming back. So until you know he wants to come back. So let's just say 
we're a year in the future now. Yeah. And we know he's that. coming back. Let's do that. Then if you know he doesn't want to be there, maybe you try and get the year. <laughs> and then at the end of it, like you see, you just go on a run or, well, no, because again, like Daniel pointed out, like if you know that he's coming back and depending on, I'm not sure hundred percent if he would then be an RFA at the end of it or a UFA, just cause like the kind of years, cause he's 24. You always wonder like, when's that 26th birthday? Um, so let's say he comes back next year and you have one more year with him. If he's a UFA then, then trade his rights. Like you need to get something. Otherwise, because then if he goes and then Fiala, you know, is going to walk too, that is pure points towards you have to rebuild and you've got to start getting assets. And that is the guy who's going to get you more than anything else on that team. Right. Yeah. Sure. Like the Oakland Athletics, like they're going to keep getting talent, but they don't pay their guys. Can't get Giambi, but we just have to buy, fulfill the need by forget quality, quantity. As long as you get on base. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We're just gonna get on base, and it's gonna work. And Chris Pratt's gonna, you know, hit hit a home run or something. So a lot more two one games with the Wild. Ah. Great. They were fun for one year. They were. And it was a great year. It was. I'm happy I covered them for that year. Like they pushed Vegas to seven, man. They did. No, remember that. They did. They did. Crazy. They had that one goal. That was pretty sick. Yeah, I was gonna be an. They were young men at the time. Sorry. We were so young at the time. Little did we know. Wasn't it like two months ago? It was, but three months ago. Before the buyouts. Remember the playoffs. Before the dark times. Before the empire. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm just going to quickly get up the RFAs and UFAs that are still left. Looking at uh, at UFAs, pretty important name. Uh, Zach Carize, even though, uh, let's be honest, he's probably, there's probably a deal in place with the Islanders and Lamorello for some reason, just kind of waiting. Uh, Tukarask, probably going back to the Bruins, but in the new year when he's uh, after his surgery. David Backus is probably retired. Brandon Dubinsky is probably retired. James Neal is an interesting name. Niskanen, retired. retired. You know, if you want to go get a goon, go ahead. Uh, Travis Zajac's a depth guy. Uh, Kyle Palmieri is also, also an Islander. Yeah. The Islanders kind of have that in place. Anisimov is out there. Uh, Devin Dubnik. Casey Sezikis, another Islander. Probably, and I thought they were a lot. You know who's on this list? I've just noticed at at twenty second overall on the on uh, on Cat Friendly's list. Alex Jason. Um, oh no, not on your list. No, uh, no, uh, Sammy Vatanen. Oh, oh I guess when is he going to Montreal? What? When is he going to Montreal? I I wish I knew, man. It's either that or go get John Klingberg. <laughs> I'll take it. Fair. There, I thought there were some more names out there. Uh, no, there are not. <laughs> well, the names out there are already signed by the New York Islanders. Um, was, uh, <laughs> you know what? Actually, Tyler Bozak is still there. Yeah, Tyler Bozak. If you need a good depth setter, I'd say wouldn't mind him on Montreal. Yeah. Face off guy. Well, Bozak's actually the guy that Wait. you need. Why'd you get Cedric Paquette? He's not coming back to Toronto. No, no. See, you know what's all funny about that? He wouldn't be the worst pickup. No, I wouldn't. Well, the, here, so I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. So just maybe more scoring you'd like, but like still, I don't think that's a terrible pickup for whoever wanted them. I've seen people trying to create lines, and I just, I don't see how he would fit there because 
there's people who are making lineups and can't even fit Engvall or Mikheyev in there. Which, like, for obvious reasons. Well, yeah, I guess for obvious reasons. But say, then, what I mean is, like, what's kind of silly is those guys are probably playing. Yeah, and that's Mikheyev. the thing. is like, how are you fitting Bozak in there? Uh, is there any word? Because I haven't seen it, and I tried looking it up. But I haven't found anything. Is there any word about um, taxi squads? I have not seen anything about that. Then we're going to yeah. need teams are going to need their Michael Fro leaks. So, well, you know. see, there are still some very interesting depth names. It's just for some reason, they're so low on this list. Uh, Lucas Walmark, Dominic Cahoon, Brad Richardson is still in this league. Uh, Nikita Gusev, Bobby Ryan, Tyler Ennis, Derek Broussard. Oh, he's not signed? Wow. 12 points could be, or is that 20 points? 20 points this year. That's not bad. You kidding me? That's like a 35, 40 point guy in a full season. Ben Hutton, who I don't think, did he ever play for Toronto? Did he get into Uh, one game? One game. game. Was he worth the fifth rounder? Um, No. Sure. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Bobby Ryan is still out there. Alex Galchenyuk. Who apparently a bidding the three war. teams we like on this podcast are apparently all see this is what I Luke Luke Falk should be ashamed of that tweet because he he did the hockey sin of reporting he simply said they had interest and it's like okay he I think he said some system. level of interest which doesn't mean anything <laughs> like he knew exactly what he was doing I love how it's like Toronto okay you're gonna get the clicks Montreal you're gonna get the click like Galchenyuk to Montreal again how funny is that. And Anaheim. Like, wait, what? What? Why do they want him? Well, how he's old is he? How old is he? Oh, yeah, he's wait 26, 27, There we right? go. There yeah, we yeah, go. Yeah, there right we go. There. If he fits yeah, Bob Murray's, he's in that 23 to 28 who can play hockey. I believe that is the criterion, right? So It is. As long as he fits in that criteria. You know what's funny? What's funny? I would not hate Galchenyuk being back in Montreal for some reason. Wow. I just don't know why he would want to come back. Well, if you don't play him at center. That's true. Yeah. No, I guess that has to be the caveat is that he will not be playing center. He honestly might be a better option than Thomas Tatar would have been on the power play. Even strength may be questioned defensively. They're both kind of bad, but like Galchenyuk used to be a force on the power play. Guy had a wicked one-timer. Yeah. But I mean, remember remember about 30 goals? Yeah. And everyone does. And no one shuts up about it. Okay. So these are some of the RFAs that are still around. There's 39. Um, wow. Justin Kirkland. Who? Exactly. What team? What team? What team? Calgary. Okay. Uh, Zach Sinitian from Boston. Uh, Glenn Gordon from Calgary. Dennis Malgan from Toronto. My guy, Zachary Sinitian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip Fronick and Giovanni Smith from Detroit. Uh, Dylan Coughlin from Vegas. Uh, the Sens have Drake Batherson. Uh, Connor Bunneman from Philly, uh, Philip Gustafson in Ottawa, Noah Gregor from San Jose, uh, Dylan Dubé is a name out there. From the, um, you ever heard of Otto Koivula? Koivula? No, you haven't. Uh, I have not. Uh, Libor Hayek, Logan Brown, the guy who, when is he going to break out? Uh, Nolan year, Patrick, hopefully. Keystone Milostat, Yusuf Alamaki, Kiefer Bellows, Kyle Yamamoto. <laughs> Uh, Dennis Shalowski, Robert Thomas, that's that's an important one. Uh, Ali Tolvanen, Antoli Golishev from the Islanders. Uh, we're going to talk about this guy in a second. Uh, uh, Henry Yokiharju, Kaprizov, Connor McKee, Rasmus Dahlin, Jesperi Kokkiniemi, 
uh, Ryan Paling, uh, Connor Morty, um, and then these are these are the big ones: Elisha Orkin, uh, Andrei Svechnikov, Brady Kachuk, Anthony Beauvillier, Nikita Zadorov is second on this list for some reason, and Travis Sanheim, who um, is a team elected arbitration case going up there. The two that are I, I purposely skipped there are Quinton Hughes and Elias uh, Patterson, who are still not signed. And apparently uh, they are not close from uh, Patterson's agent. And everyone got mad because he was like, I want to play for a winning team. And everyone was like, oh, just he just wants a, out. And just a like, row. Oh. Sorry. No, I was just saying both Quinn and uh, Hughes and Patterson have the same age. Yes. Yes. Right, so. Was it Patterson or, or, or Hughes that fired their agent to join the other one? Which is hilarious. Like whoever it was. So what's kind of funny about this is the Canucks, I thought they said they had allocated like 12 million. They signed Jason Dickinson, funny enough. So now their projected cap space is at $10.6 million. So if you just want to be silly about it, that basically means they have around $5.3 million to sign these guys to bridges. Plus, plus, uh, I believe if I read it correctly, Michael Furland isn't playing. So that's an extra three and a half million dollars. And if you want to read an article about how that could maybe help them check out Harmon dials on the athletic, because that was there actually. He had, but still, um, that's a problem because it, with, yeah. with Furland, that's approximately $3.5 million. Yeah. And, and l- let me ask you, you guys this. Do you trust Jim Benning working in the limits of LTIR? Because I do not. I, I, I don't. I, I don't. Like, I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're trying, what, we're, what they're doing. I'm just, as you can tell, I'm stuttering, not because uh i'm just like i just i don't know what to say because it's just mind-boggling how we started with yeah they they allocated about 18 million dollars for i believe it was demco Pedersen, and hughes and now they're 10 and a half million dollars or if you want to say 14 and hughes and Pedersen are still unsigned you say it was it was 18 they had around there i believe that was what friedman reported uh, a couple months ago so yeah, there's. We'll just wait for the big next big story of what happens with the Canucks because there's going to be something. Like someone has to go, and they already made one trade to get rid of a boatload of cap. Again, it's 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 the Canucks just not knowing what a priority is sometimes. Again, seven million after the retain for Oliver and Larson. I'm assuming you have cap friendly up right now, Alex. Yeah. How much is um, how much is Dickinson? Two point something. Uh, two point six. And uh, the other guy whose name Pullman. I cannot remember. Tucker Pullman. From, not Tucker Pullman. Um, the forward they got from Arizona. Who's that? Oh, good. Connor Garland. Connor Garland makes what? Four. Four point nine. Four point nine. So okay. All right. Well, I just again, yeah, it's funny how quickly you got Garland done. And you've been working on Hughes and Pedersen since the trade deadline. And yeah, COVID stuff aside, um, it, it's tough. It's tough to look at. Does one of them hold out? I think they're both holding out. I think currently. No, I mean, like to start at like training camp. I yeah. think both of them are going to yeah. hold out because both of them can easily take up on short term deals 70% of their current available cap space. I thought they were. Current. So go ahead, go. No, I was going to say without putting Furland on LTIR, they can take one of them 
could take up $7 million if they wanted to. I thought for sure, if it's a three-year bridge, it's around 7.5. Because I was comparing mm-hmm. it to Kachuk or Braden Point's deals. Or Bar- Barzell, right? Because Bar- Hart Pedersen is a center as well. Like, and that's then, the comparison. And then, like, like McAvoy for Hughes. Sure. And they've just... They've just completely fumbled it. I'm I'm very curious, and I think we should have Harmon on soon to talk about it because I, I, I'm very curious as to how they're going to get through this without losing someone significant. Because to me, it, it, it looks like, and his name continues to keep popping up randomly, but I just have this gut feeling, and most of the time my gut is wrong, but I'm just going to say it anyways, that if they were to trade Brock Besser's $5.875 million of cap space, that would bring them to about $16 million, which would leave them $8 million for both Pedersen and Hughes. And once again, push the problem down the line, but that's what NHL, all NHL GMs do anyways. Like, do you not see an outcome where a guy like Besser gets traded? The whispers have been there. Yeah. It's the last guy you should it's, See the the thing with Besser is is he's he is the the Western Canadian version of William Nylander, not in the terms of of hockey men you hate Brock Besser, but he is the guy that for years it was they can't keep everyone and Nylander's the one who's going to have to go. Right. It's and it, it it's it's going to be the thing of Benning has has just sort of dropped the ball so badly on cap management that Besser might have to go as the sacrifice. And reminder, all of this why Brock Besser is on that sweet sorry that um that Bo Horvat is on that sweetheart deal. JT Miller and Bo Horvat make a combined ten point seven five million dollars. It's just and, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yep. yep. Um, the Canucks, though. The Canucks. The Canucks. The Canucks. They'll make the playoffs probably. Will they? Division? Yeah, I think so. Because regardless, if 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 it gets be good for now, like they'll be okay. Because if, if they start, think of it like this. The Pacific sucks, mm-hmm. right? Like, the Pacific sucks. Um, and, like, like okay, so let, let's kind of think of it. If, if let's just say they get one-year deals, it's whatever. They get Hughes and Pedersen back. They still have Hughes and Pedersen, right? Yeah. They have Oliver Ekman Larson, who, even if he's not OEL of the past, he's still Oliver Ekman, but still a serviceable top-four defenseman sure, who sure. is, like – is it's going to be hard not to be better than Nate Schmidt was like Nate Schmidt's a good defenseman, but it just, the fit wasn't there. Right. Um, and like, it's going to be a relieved workload to what Oliver Ekman Larson has had in the past, AKA yeah. carrying the coyotes for a decade. And up front, I think, I think they've improved AKA like some of the name, like Dickinson's a good one. Like they've, the funny thing is I would argue that the Canucks improved, Especially in net, like Holpe, everyone knew from the moment it happened that Holpe wasn't going to work. Halak's fine. Like, yeah. I think like there's an argument that the Canucks, and again, he, like, this is the problem with the Oliver Eckman Larson deal that was said to death, um, is that in the short term, the Canucks are probably the better team. And all this, of course, hinges on if they can actually get Hughes and Pedersen signed uh, without sacrificing Brock Besser or Horvat or Miller. But right now, I can look at the Canucks compared to last year and say that they're better. Would you argue, because I, I mean, I would kind of make that this argument, but would you argue similar to Winnipeg last year that they took a single step forward? I would have to have a look. Um, 
In fact, I'm going to only just let me just have a look at their roster and like compare it. To, I just hit my mic. Sorry about that. Because um, to me, that that would be that would be the case. So what did I'm trying to remember what did. So because Winnipeg went from not having a right side and it was they brought in DeMello, right? Uh, yeah. So the Canucks lost. Um, let me get up there, cat friendly. Why can't I find there they are? So let's let's think about this. So the Canucks lost mm-hmm. um, Edler, yep. who wasn't great. They lost Holpe. They lost. If we're having this conversation last year, when you think of like Toffoli and Stetcher, then it's definitely a single step. But like, I'm um, like, who did? Um, who was the forward they traded for Matthew Highmore? Adam Goddard. Adam got debt and ooh, I am looking at some of their bottom six guys and I may have to eat my words in a second here because it's Highmore, Justin Bailey, Philip DiGiuseppe, Justin Dowling, Zach McEwen, you're like, ooh, but then, oh, okay, never mind, never mind. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm having a look. Yeah, maybe it was a step forward. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a single step forward. Yeah, their depth isn't amazing. Like, great, their top six is cool. Uh, top six is of, nasty. Actually. Yeah, like it's it, it it it's pretty good. Especially, I like I like that Connor Garland deal. Um, and then making sure you have Pedersen there. Yes, they improved goaltending wise. Like, yes, okay, Yaroslav Halak, good backup goalie, especially yep. for Thatcher Demko. Like Halak has had that experience where if Rask gets injured, he's come in and he's done a good job. I I just I'm I'm. I don't know what happened to the defense there. Like, okay, out is Nate Schmidt, Edler, bringing in Ekman Larson, who is is good, but again, he has to he has to rebound. Like, they have to do. Vancouver also have to do their job in making sure he rebounds. Like, it's a two way street. Um, bringing back Travis Hamanick, signing Tucker Pullman. It, it's a lot of relying on the top end of your defense to do a really good job in my eyes. Yeah. Well, so like, let's look at it. Let's, let's compare it to, so do, do you guys agree that the Canucks are going to make the playoffs? Yes. Yeah. Right now. Like, yeah. But like one of the last spots. Okay. Cause like, if you look at it, Vegas or Vegas, obviously. Yeah. Vegas. Great. Yeah. Get a centerman for the love of anything. Anaheim. I think we can agree are. No, that's another no. thing here. The, the sharks that, no. no no um seattle I, I think they can do damage if they want their first line center is having shoulder surgery that's you know because they, they have goaltending which takes a long way exactly rough and tough defense and i don't think they're done making acquisitions what else can they do listen there's there's one two three four five there's eight teams in cap trouble. Uh, when, and they, Edmonton might need help. Dallas might need some help. The Blackhawks. There's teams that will need help um, eventually. And Seattle will be there with their, where are they? $9 million in cap space and an owner who doesn't seem to be afraid to spend money. I'll say this. I like Vancouver right now. Call me crazy. I like yeah. them more than Seattle. Yes. I like them more than San Jose. Correct. I like them more than Ed, uh, Anaheim. Mm-hmm. I like them more than Calgary. 
because I'm so fed up with the Flames at this point. I love how Goudreau and Monaghan are still both there. Mm -hmm. Um, Can't wait for Goudreau to get extended, by the way. Um, Edmonton are just like, I have no idea. I like I put Vancouver at Edmonton even because again it's the same thing. Wicked top six. Um, with some nice defensemen, not amazing in some regards. Um, I think Edmonton probably have the uh, uh who has the worst defense, Vancouver or Edmonton? Um Edmonton. Edmonton. Oh I don't know. Like well, here's the thing. So we know Clefbaum's not playing. So their top four is <laughs> Keith, Nurse, Barry, and <laughs> Cece. So let, let's put it like this, okay? So the best – so Hughes – let's just see Hughes and Nurse. Hughes. Yeah. Um, would Don or Nurse be the second best defenseman in Vancouver? Him or Al Larkman Larson, right? I, yeah. Personally, what I from what I've seen, I would take Darnell Nurse, but I'd like to see OEL play before making. Fair. Decisions. Okay, let me ask you this: So, how much Arizona hockey have you watched? The thing is, he might Not be a like, lot, but he hasn't played great there. Right? He might be like, one of those. What, yeah, that's, that's why I'm saying I'd like to wait to see him play like 20 games or something. It might be like Blake Griffin on Detroit, and then suddenly he's not injured anymore on the Nets. Maybe. So basically, um, it's it's Vegas, and then just two very questionable top heavy Canadian teams, and then the Californian gong shows. Yeah. Oh no no no! Because LA, I think LA are going to be good. LA are going to be good. Farmer Woods. LA are coming second next year. I promise you. Promise you. I, I honestly looking at LA, I I just I think they're closer to. <laughs> They're closer to Vancouver than a lot of people think. Okay, so let's. I'm gonna get up. I'm getting LA, LA up right now. Okay, because like I, I feel like that's a crazy thing to say, but I, I just. Well, no, no. Okay, so let's look at the Kings. Okay, okay, quick at his worst could be a solid thingy backup. Cal Peterson yeah. was good. He had like a nine thirteen or something. That's a good young goaltender. Goaltender. I mean, defense wise is a little like okay, Christian Berland, and what even is he? Um. Bjorn Furt's 20. Michael Henderson, don't know quite who that is. Sean Walker is okay. Matt Roy is whatever. Oli Matt is whatever. Alex Adler is... Okay. I don't know how much I like this defense. And then Dowdy. Um, and, but then, like, forward-wise, I'm like, okay, Dustin Brown's good again. Kopitar is Kopitar. Phil Deneau is amazing. Victor Arvidsson's good. Alex Ilafalo is good. I couldn't tell you how well Athmacy you played. Adrian Kempe is, uh, I challenge someone to tell me what Adrian Kempe is all about. Trevor Moore is a fine young player. Gabriel Velarde is a good young player. Grundstrom, who sees with him, and whoever else. Um, but anyway, discussion for another day. I think we're good to wrap up. I, okay. We've, we've I, covered a lot. I was just going to say the difference between LA and the other teams is that LA has depth. And they were patient with what they were building. And young depths. Renaissance of their veteran guys who are not Jonathan Quick. No, I don't think they were. They, the Kings were not patient. The Kings started to be patient. Then Dowdy and Kopitar were like, no. And then they were like, okay. Or play well. And then it's like, yeah. And then Again. it's like, okay, we'll, we'll go make a splash. Anyway. Um, they actually, so in conclusion, Drew Dowdy's not on our Olympic Games. Um, no, but if he was like a spare defenseman, I wouldn't complain about it because okay. experience. Um, okay. I think that's everything. Um, yes. Thank you for watching.
and all that, or just listening, whatever, check out all the show socials, our socials, all our individual stuff. You can check that out. Um, we don't know if we're going to have an episode next week because we kind of had to struggle to scratch something together today because nothing's happening. And we did a great job. We did. I we did. I think we did, honestly. Okay. Almost went uh, two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, voice said, thank you. always a great platform. Um, and that's it. Check out um, YouTube version. Check out TikTok, especially Facebook. Especially. Yep. Good. Goodbye.